0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is in our the, uh The Celtic peoples, the peoples of Ireland and Scotland, they believed that there were thin places in their land. Have you ever heard of this concept of thin places? These are places where they could go and and the distance between heaven and earth was, was uh, not as great, so to speak. Uh, they could be closer to the gods, and even the pagan peoples believed this. And this idea was most definitely carried over into the Christian church. And of course, we believe this too. We come into a church where there's an altar, where there are icons and we believe it's a thin place so to speak, where God is present. And in the Old Testament this idea is is uh, evident all throughout the Old Testament, right? Abraham makes a covenant with God and he builds an altar. Noah comes off the ark, God makes a covenant with him, Noah builds an altar, right? Moses leads the people out of Egypt, they build an altar. And we read over and over again the glory of God descended on the tabernacle, or Solomon consecrates the altar, the glory of God descends on the altar. These are what we would call thin places where God is more present, more evident, more manifest than in other places. And really, for us, we have to flatten the universe. As Father Stephen Freeman says, he says that. Our world has become a two-story universe where we exist down here and God is upstairs. And every once in a while, the plumbing breaks in our apartment and we call on God to fix it. Hey, we need a little help here. Hey, can you come down and help? Or maybe send us some Christmas presents, right? Like a benevolent Santa Claus or this vending machine who throws blessings down the stairs at us, right? That's not a dynamic God that we believe in, right? That's, uh, as they say in the Lego movie, a bunch of hippie, dippy baloney, right? But we need to flatten the world. We live in a one story universe where God is among us, God is present. I just said a few moments ago, Christ is in our midst. And we respond so, so routinely, just like robots sometimes. But do we actually believe that? Christ is in our midst, He is. And He ever shall be. He always will be. Because He said at His ascension, Lo, I am with you always. Christ is among us. We live in a thin place. But the challenge for us is that our hearts get fat. Right? Our hearts get fat. And our hearts are no longer thin places. And so... We see things dimly, as St. Paul says. But in the age to come, we will see them clearly. But now we see them dimly, as in a mirror. And there's not just, you know, the, the steam from the shower on the mirror. There's dirt and mud and muck and all sorts of stuff on it, right? We can barely make out what the image is. Because our hearts have become fat, so to speak, with the pleasures of this world. We need our hearts to become thin places. We need our hearts to become, this is what the saints call, luminous. Luminous. Down in Southern California, the Los Angeles Rams built that $5 billion stadium, right? And the biggest feature of the stadium is the translucent roof, where... They're in a dome stadium, but for a day game, right, you can see the sun outside and the light comes through and it's all nice and whatever. Well, that's kind of like what the hearts of the saints are. The light, the divine light, shines right through. And it shines right through their hearts, out through their bodies into the world. Their hearts have become thin, so to speak, and light and radiant and luminous because their hearts are not thick and dark and fat with sin. This week, my family and I and the the group of us from Alaska who have been on pilgrimage, we've had the tremendous joy of Visiting different places different monasteries and venerating the Saints st. Saint John in San Francisco st. Sebastian and Jackson many other Saints along the way in small relics um, but st. John and st. Sebastian in their and their whole body and um, And it's just been a great reminder to me that the Saints are much closer than we often think. The saints are much closer. When we were in San Francisco, Bishop James was telling us stories about St. John. And it really felt like he was coming alive to me. Right? Except when I thought about it, like, St. John has always been alive to me. It's me. It's my problem. I have been dead to him. So I told St. John, or, or Bishop James, thank you for helping me become alive in the community of St. John, right, in the life of St. John. Thank you for making me feel closer to Him. Because when I feel distant from the saints, or when I feel distant from God, who moved? It's not them, it's me. I moved. So I need to get closer, right? I need to make my heart a thin place, a place where heaven and earth can meet. There's a story uh, of St. John. If you go to his, to his tomb, um, his shrine, there's a slot underneath his relics where people put letters and they put lists of names and they put them on there, under there so that he can read them. And there was a lady who was very cynical about this. Oh, come on, this is just Russian superstition. He doesn't read these names. He doesn't read these letters. Give me a break. People are just, it's wishful thinking, right? And that night, when she fell asleep, St. John came and appeared to her. And he came floating towards her, and he didn't offer a blessing, and he was very stern. And he just told her, I read every name. I read every letter. And he went on his way. She became a believer. After that, there's another story of a Muslim man who came from Indonesia with his wife. His wife wanted to be baptized, and they came with this Orthodox priest, Father Daniel Toro. And the Muslim husband was, was very cynical and a saint that's incorrupt and whatever. He was embalmed. This isn't, just can't be true. He's very cynical and skeptical. And Father Daniel told this woman... When we get there, we're just going to leave him alone with St. John for a little bit. So they go in and they go and see St. John. and This man is not believing it at all, right? And the priest and the wife, they just quietly slip away and leave the man there with St. John. And alone, without having to put on a show for his wife or for the priest, the man finally said, Okay. If this is real, give me a sign. And there's a, so St. John's body is there and then there's an icon of St. John, a very large icon on the wall right behind him. And the face on the icon went like this. And nodded. Right? Man kind of startled, steps back. Well, if that was real, Give me another sign. And then the hands on the icons come out and give a blessing like a bishop. The man, still startled, a little humbled, quickly went outside and told the priest, Okay, when can I be baptized? Right? Right? There are so many stories, and St. John has so many stories. He's a wonder worker. But Bishop James said people would write letters to him. Even when he was alive, they would write letters to him. And on the day that they mailed the letter, they would receive an answer in the mail that St. John had already sent to them, answering every question. This is possible because St. John was so close to God. He was close to God, And therefore he became close to those around him. By loving God he was able to love his neighbor in a way that surpassed any love that they had ever experienced. At St. Sebastian uh, in Jackson, uh, St. Sava's Church in Jackson has the relics of St. Sebastian and if you go to venerate the relics, you'll, you'll see they have a little opening, they have a plastic case and they have a little opening where you can see his skull and you can put your, your head in there and you can take a deep breath and his relics are fragrant, they're fragrant. It smells heavenly, it's wonderful and this happened. St. John in San Francisco, his skin is still on his hands, he's been dead for over 50 years and, and his relics are incorrupt. St. Sebastian's relics are fragrant. This happens when the grace of God fills us, physically and spiritually, and it stays within our bones. And it's a beautiful thing. But St. But John and St. Sebastian, they became conduits of grace, right? They were so prayerful and so loving and so repentant that the grace of God filled them that even after their death, they're still preaching the gospel through their through their relics. And Saint Sebastian is at work. He's at work in wondrous ways. So I gotta, this is a great story. On Friday night, my dad and I were talking and um, we're gonna go see Saint Sebastian on Saturday and we've got one extra spot in the car. Oh, hey, we got one extra spot. We should probably invite somebody. So we called Annie and I said, hey Annie, we've got an extra spot in the car. Do you wanna come? She said, well, my plans actually just fell through. I'll be on my way i'll see you tomorrow i'll come and after we venerated saint sebastian and did an acathist service to him we had lunch and i told annie i said you know i don't think your plans fell through i think saint sebastian canceled them i think he canceled them so that you could come and see him and she said you know what my friend confirmed with me on friday morning that our plans for saturday were on and then an hour before you called She had to cancel. She was very apologetic. Something came up. She had to cancel. And then an hour later, you call. So it was obviously providential, right? The saints are at work. They're alive in Christ. And they want us to be close to them. They want us to be close to them. The best way to draw close to the saints is to put their icons in our homes and to pray before them. There's a common confession that most priests hear. Father, oh, I didn't say my prayers. I broke my prayer rule. I didn't pray. I haven't prayed in a week. And my question is always, have you you had your coffee every morning? Well, yeah. So, okay, well, put some icons at your coffee pot. Because if you're not missing the coffee pot, then you won't miss the icons. But we have a habit, because of our fatness of heart, so to speak, our laziness, that we go for what makes us feel good, but we don't go for what's needed, right? And the icons present another thin place where we can interact. The church calls them windows to heaven. Windows. We don't look through windows like from afar, so to speak. We stand at the window and look out. But what we don't realize is that the saint is standing right on the other side. Right there. They're right there waiting to talk to us. Bishop James took out his prayer rope in San Francisco. He said, dial one for Saint John. (laughs) He'll answer every time. The saints are ready and willing and waiting for us to contact them. in the Synaxarion today, talking about the Seventh Ecumenical Council, which was convened by Empress Irene, one of my favorites, and, and it was to defend the icons against the iconoclasts, those who said this is uh, the worship of idols and breaking the commandment in the Old Testament. And the church said, no, our Lord was incarnate and became man we can depict him and we can depict the prototypes and venerate the prototypes through these pictures just like when we kiss a photograph of grandma and grandpa because we miss them we aren't worshiping the paper or the ink on the photograph in the same way we venerate the icons the respect and veneration given to the icons passes on to the prototype but what I'm reminded of this week is that the saints are so close to us and yet I think they're so far from me. All I have to do is put myself in a position where they can talk to me. All I have to do is open my heart to them so that they can talk to me, so that we can have a relationship with them. And in the synaxarion today, there was a word that jumped out to me. It said icons are dynamic dynamic depictions of the beauty of the divine, right? Was that that the phrase, dynamic depictions? But that word dynamic, they're not just static pictures. Because these people aren't just dead and out of existence. They are alive very much in Christ, just as they were before. Their soul is in Christ, their body might be wherever it may be. But their power to intercede for us is still strong and powerful. So what we have to do, brothers and sisters, is think of icons as bridges, not barriers. Bridges to the age to come, to the eschaton, to that day that never ends. They are bridges to that dynamic relationship. And the icons incarnate the saints for us, and that means they incarnate the love of God for us. And they all reflect the light of God. They emanate it from the inside out, so to speak. That's why you don't see shadows around their feet. Because the light is within them coming out of them. This is what we strive for in our life. We strive to become luminous, light-bearing, and filled with the divine love and grace and energy of God. This is our goal. We often, we might look at the saints and say, wow, that saint was so terrific and so amazing. I could never live up to that. I can never achieve what they could achieve. Saint Seraphim of Sarov spent a thousand nights praying on a rock. I could never do that. Okay, fine. Can you spend five minutes praying before you have coffee? Why don't we start with the basics? Why don't we, instead of complaining about the traffic, thank God for the car that we have and the job that we get to go to, right? There's a basketball coach for the Phoenix Suns, Monty Williams. He's a Christian man. He tells his players, this isn't a got to, this is a get to. You get to do this. You don't got to do this, right? We get to sit in traffic. We get to to clean our house. We get to make our bed, right kids? We get to do chores. We don't got to, we're blessed with it. We've been given it as a privilege, as a responsibility. We can turn all things into light-bearing, luminous encounters with the divine world just by being grateful. Just by being grateful. But we have to look at it. We have to look with the eyes of faith. We have to see it and change our perspective. So my challenge to everyone this week, as you go out into the world, don't look at things in the dark and heavy and thick sort of way, thinking that heaven is far off and God is far from me and the saints are far from me. When you get in the car, make the sign of the cross and ask your guardian angel and patron saint to bless your trip, wherever it may be, to the grocery store, to work, down the highway, whatever it is. When you're washing your hands, ask God to wash your heart, right? Start integrating God into every part of your life and make your entire life, make every place that you go a thin place. Make it a place where God doesn't have to use like some heavy machinery to break through all the crud, but all He has to do is just very gently pull back the veil and reveal Himself to you. We're the ones that are far from God. He's not far from us. We're the ones that are far from the saints. They are close to us. We just have to see it, and we have to start seeing it through the eyes of faith and through the eyes of thanksgiving. May this be our challenge, brothers and sisters, to make our hearts thin places and to make our lives part of the one-story universe, so to speak, so that we can, in this life, start living... The age to come, where all the saints give glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Christ is in our midst.